0: Hello, thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. Good to see each of you here. Glad that you've joined us. Thank you, worship team, for helping lead us in worship. Pastor Ed, I'm going to put you on the spot. Man, you were jamming up there today. Was good. How old are you, Pastor Ed? 73. I just say that because uh, my daughter, Marissa, she just, for Christmas, um, she got a ukulele. And uh, I was playing around with that um, just the other night with her. And I'm trying to move my fingers. And she's trying to tell me. And I'm like, oh, that's simple. And she's like, no, Dad, not those fingers, these fingers. And I'm like, and after like two minutes, my fingers were hurt, and I'm like, I am wimpy. <laughs> and so to see you do that, that's just great. And thank you for using your gifts for the Lord. Um, we all have different gifts and abilities, right? Um, you're probably very thankful that I did not get up on the electric guitar this morning. And, uh, and I've played the one piano song that I remember from all of those uh, six or seven years of piano lessons. I won't play it this morning, um, but it's quite, uh, um, it would put Vince to shame. <laughs> I mean, Vince would be shameful of me, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's it's great to know that uh, that God has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives, and that we can be confident and we need to find contentment in that. Um, This morning, we're going to continue our series on stewardship, uh, a 2020 vision of stewardship. Um, But before we dig in, I just want to pause uh, for a moment. The flowers here um, are here in memory of Marilyn Townsend. Marilyn was a longtime member uh, here at West Hill. She passed away, went home to be with the Lord on Monday. Um, Marilyn and her husband actually ran a cleaning company uh, for a number of years, and they cleaned West Hill uh, for a long, long, long time, and uh, Marilyn was a good friend of mine, good buddy of mine. When she would come in and clean, I felt like I wasn't as busy back then, and uh, Marilyn and I had a lot of different conversations, and she was a sweet, sweet-spirited uh, lady, and uh, I've missed her. Uh, she's been in Southern Ohio uh, for the, uh, the, since 2010 uh, when she needed to move closer to her family, um, but uh, Marilyn struggled with dementia and uh, Alzheimer's, and in the last uh, several years, she didn't know uh, who she was, and she didn't know where she was. She thought she was still in Akron, uh, even though she was down near Dayton, Um, but she still smiled and had such a sweet spirit. Um, But what was really neat was to think that in that moment, she went from not knowing where she was and not knowing who she was, but in that split second when she took her final breath, she went from not knowing anything to being perfect and knowing where she was and who she was because she was in the presence of Jesus. And so we are thankful for that. At an age of eight, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and uh, lived her life in a very well. Um, we also said, um, "See you soon," to Jim Bricker, and uh, you can be praying for Mary Ann. Um, Jim um, has uh, not been a longtime member; they joined uh, just last year, and uh, but have been uh, a huge encouragement to me and to our church. Um, Jim would uh, often come in uh, with his walker the last several years, and uh, Jim. Um, he was an avid golfer. He was in athletics his whole life. And so for him to be slown down by Parkinson's, um, it was a struggle. He didn't tell a whole lot of people that he had Parkinson's. Uh, he just always had a smile on his face, and he knew the word of God. Uh, he came to know the Lord later in life and really dug into the word, knew the word, and would pray the word. And, uh, and so pray for Mary Ann as she walks through these days. Um, and uh, but it's it's awesome to know that Jim Jim isn't struggling anymore. He doesn't have to worry about Parkinson's. Uh, he's perfect and complete. And the song that we said uh, that we sang this morning, uh, just the phrase stuck out to me: um, "Want to be near so that death is a lie." Because that's so true. Death for us as followers of Christ, it's not the end. It's not the end. And uh, I will tell you that being here for over 20 years now, it is getting harder and harder to do these. I do not like this. I mean, these were too easy. Um, These are people who know the Lord, love the Lord, but I'm telling you, I am tired and I'm weary of that. And yet to know, um, you know, in five years, look around. Um, Our church is going to look different, just as it looks different than five years ago. And so we have that great hope, and that's where we have to keep our focus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. When we talk about stewardship, last week we talked about wholeheartedly devoted, that levav shalom, being wholeheartedly devoted, that God is looking out on the land, looking to see who will be wholeheartedly devoted to him, If you missed that message, you can go to our website, and uh, I just want to put a big plug in. He's headed back to school right now, um, but uh, Aaron Hesketh does all of our our stuff, all of our media online, and does a tremendous job. And so um, you can be praying for him as he heads back to school and for our other college um, um, students, um, but that tool is there for you to utilize He's also set up the, the streaming. So if you're ever sick or we get a big blizzard, hard to imagine after 60-some degrees yesterday, but if we do get a big blizzard again like we did last year, um, I'll make the trip up in my snowshoes, and if Pastor David can get here, then we'll we'll stream again. And so we're hoping that we don't have to do that because I, I much rather this than uh, just speaking to a camera. But thank the Lord for the... the the technology and what we have. So last week we talked about being wholeheartedly devoted, and we've been talking about for the last few weeks, I feel like this is a theme in my own heart, in my own life, of abiding in Christ, continuing to abide in Christ, because we can walk confidently and securely if we continue to abide in him, if I'm walking with him. Um, So this morning, when we think about stewardship, I want to take an opportunity for us to look at... Um, this phrase, disciples making disciples. Um, and, and disciples mean that we are followers of someone. Um, we are following somebody. And so being their disciple, we follow them, we watch them, we observe them, we learn under them. And, and we, we entrust our minds and in some ways our bodies to that person to become their disciple. Um, uh, apprenticeship is one of those terms that we use today, um, with whether it's a, a plumbing or a electrical, where there's apprentices that, that would go out into the field and learn under, uh, those, uh, wise sages and be underneath them so that they would learn. Well, as disciples of Jesus Christ, and, and we're going to look at this verse later on, but in. At the end of Jesus' time with his disciples, he tells them, I want you to go and make disciples. And I believe that is true for us. I don't believe that was a command just for the disciples. That's a command for us too. And so this morning, I want to look at this phrase, disciples making disciples. As stewards, as God's stewards here on this earth and the limited time that we have, uh, what does that look like? Well, the first part of that is it requires following. I remember going to Skyview Ranch when I was a camper, when I was young, uh, and we had a lot of different opportunities for learning and hands-on learning. And one of them was we, we as a cabin, um, went into the woods and we did some, um, they were games and stuff, but there was, I forget the term, um, Cooperatives, thanks, I read my wife's lips, cooperatives. And so in those these cooperatives, you're working together to try to achieve something. So one of those cooperatives was you were to pair up with a buddy, and one was blindfolded and the other led them. And so they didn't lead them. At first, we led each other uh, hand in hand. And we just kind of walked around and uh, and just navigated different things. Then it became a little bit more difficult because then we weren't allowed to be with them, um, physically with them, to hold them and to guide them around. We had to communicate with our voice. And, and this was not me, but I remember a couple of my buddies, as they're communicating and talking, um, one of the guys, I mean, first of all, I walked very slow when I was blindfolded because I didn't trust my buddy, okay? Okay. <laughs> But this other kid, he was walking so fast, and his he just didn't hear him or what. I don't even remember. But he ran smack into a tree, and he had this big, like, red mark for the rest of the week of camp. I mean, the poor kid, he was following, but evidently something didn't get communicated, or he didn't hear it. Uh, and so he failed to go in the direction that he needed to go. I also remember one other year. This was a different year. Um, uh, how many of you know what trust falls are? Uh, yeah, and you know where this is going. <laughs> so um, we were we went back into the woods again. But they had cut down a tree, and so um, we had uh, us guys and our cabin were there. And so there, we put one boy. Thankfully, we started with uh, a, our smallest one. All right, and in the cabin, and we put him up on the stump. And I remember. The counselor walking us through everything, and so we interlocked our arms, and we were there and ready to catch him, and he fell trusting that we were going to catch him, and we did, which was great. Well, the next kid gets up, and I'm pretty sure it was the second kid. He gets up, and without any commands or anything, he just goes back, and we're just all standing there like, (laughs) and the the poor kid, he was okay, but I mean, we laughed, but... Like, he was trusting that we were going to be there to get him, but we, were, we weren't ready. And uh, I share those stories because I, I think sometimes we, we look at following God kind of like that. Uh, I see the mistakes that we, that I and others make, and I sometimes wonder if God is going to do that with me, if God's forgotten me or he let me hit the ground and now I'm in this pain, and he's standing over top of me laughing. Or, or, or here I just ran into a tree, and I'm like, God, did you, did you not like, tell me that there was a tree there? Did I miss that? And so sometimes we put that, that focus upon God, and it's his fault, and it's his doing. And let me very clearly say that I believe the Bible tells us that God does not do evil. God allows evil things to take place for his glory and for our good. I I, I don't understand that always. That's hard for me to understand because I'm limited. I'm limited in my mind and how I can see my perception of how I see things are. And I'm limited because I feel like I should know how things need to navigate and need to go. All right. So following Jesus um, is, is something that we can say easy, but when things don't turn out or are not turning out the way that we envisioned and had them planned, um, I think we are fearful that God is doing the same thing that happened on that trust walk or on that trust fall. But I w- I'm here to encourage us this morning I'm here to encourage us because you're probably, uh, we, as we live in the world, we get beat up, all right, and we get discouraged. If any of you have watched the news, I try not to watch the news. I just read the headlines. And so if there's something that grabs my, my attention, then I'll read an article. But um, I turn off the news just because I think I would be in depression all the time, just me. You can watch the news if that's you. Um, But let me tell you, if you've been in the workplace, if you've been in school this week, um, you probably have been beaten down a little bit. And so that's why we have called this service Revive, a Revive service, so that God would minister to us, his word would minister to us to revive us, to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our hope and trust in him. What I'm going to share in this first part is not probably going to be new to you, but we need reminded. We need to reminded as we follow Jesus and as His disciples, we need reminded first of who He is. And so, this first part is uh, three three words three words that actually, as I wrote them, I'm like, I can't. I just shared this, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to say this again because sometimes I feel like I say the same things over and over again as a pastor. And I don't want to ever do that um, because I'm not learning or not growing. But I really feel like this is something that God is working on for us. So this first word is faith. You know the word. You know what it means, faith. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to have faith in ourselves, but in the God who is all-knowledgeable, who is all-powerful, who knows it all you need to be reminded this morning as Jesus' disciple that you aren't placing faith in what you can do because you and I can't do the impossible. But God can do the impossible as we place our faith in him. The Bible's very clear. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so as we are his disciples seeking To make disciples, we must place our faith continually in the God who we say that we trust. It is continually, moment by moment, day after day. It is not one moment, okay, I trust you, God, and then everything else is going to be rosy and complete. It is a continual in every day and in any situation and circumstance. When you start to get stressed, when you start to get overwhelmed, why is that? Chances are, if you're like me, it's probably because now you're shouldering the burden of placing faith that you have to perform, that you have to do something, that you have to come up with the idea that you need to follow through, that you have this responsibility. We do have responsibility. But if I'm abiding, walking with Christ, I can be confident that he knows all, sees all, and I can trust him, and he's going to show me what to do when I need to do it. He's not going to lead me into a tree. And if he does, he's got a reason for it. And it probably isn't him that led me into the tree. I just didn't hear him. There's a verse in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, and it says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I think we put so much expectation on ourselves sometimes as followers of Christ that we're the ones who, I've got to stay faithful, I've got to stay faithful. Will you always be faithful to God? The answer is, and that can be discouraging, and that can be depressing. But two things. Number one, know that God is always faithful and he's worthy of our faith. We will be faithless at times, but God is always faithful, which leads into the second word, and that is hope. Hope. Hope not in ourselves, but in the God who never fails or who never quits. So, faith, not in ourselves but in the God who has all knowledge, who sees all and is all powerful. Hope, not in ourselves, but in the God who never fails and who never quits. I was reading in my devotions this passage. It never dawned on me this title for God um, because there are times when I get tired. Anybody else tired here this morning or weary? You get worn down and you just say, man, I could use some endurance I know that from a runner, okay? I, I'm, I'm not a sprinter, all right? I, I If I the law was running after me, they would catch me. So I'm just not a sprinter, but I felt I, I've been gifted to run for a long period of time, that endurance. And yet, even when you run for a long period of time, you still get tired. And you still, at some point, um, you have to stop. There's a, a good pastor friend of mine. He's working right now. He's training on uh, this race that's happening in March. It's called the Last Man Standing. And so it's, uh, it's a race where you run uh, uh, four miles and you have a time period to get that, get that amount in. And then um, if there's extra time, you can rest. But then after that time is complete, they'll blow the whistle again and you have that same amount of time to run four miles. And so they do that all, all throughout the night and the next day until there's one person standing. Sounds like fun, right? Um, that's endurance. You're looking to endure and to be the last one to say, I did it. I endured through the hardship, through the struggle, through the pain. Through the endurance we see is, is, is a quality, and we're going to look at it in a passage in a minute. It's, it's a quality that God desires for us to have. But let me tell you, if we put our hope in our endurance, we're going to be severely disappointed. And in this passage, in Romans 15, verse 5, it gives us the title of God and that God is a God of endurance. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Here's that title, the God of endurance. So maybe this morning you're relying upon your, oral, your own in, endurance in order to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Don't do that. Abide in Christ. May your hope be found in his endurance because he is the God of endurance. He will never fail us, and he's never going to quit on us. No matter how we may feel or the lies of Satan or the lies of others, God will never quit on you. Isn't that amazing? That's so awesome. Which leads into this third word, love. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Isn't it amazing how there's a Bible verse? Isn't it awesome how God's word applies to our life? Um, This word love love not in ourselves let me pause for a moment this is the part of stewardship this this may be one of the most difficult parts as the church in north america western civilization as we follow jesus christ i believe i love myself too much now there are some who don't love themselves enough don't get me wrong There. We all are on different spectrums. We need to see ourselves created by God for something special and something great. God loves us. And I'm not saying you need to love yourself in a bad, unbiblical way of puffing yourself up. But you need to see yourself that God formed you and fashioned you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And that God has a plan for your life. But what I'm talking about is I make myself the center of my universe. You ever done that? Ever have that problem? Next week we're going to talk about contentment. And we're going to start getting a little little juicier. So if half of you don't show up, I understand. When we talk about stewardship here, okay? And we're going to talk about contentment. Let me tell you what motivates us as we walk as his disciple making disciples, is we see the love of God. Not that we love ourselves, but in we love the God who loves me more than anything. That the God that created you and placed you here on this earth loves you more than anyone or anything. How often do we forget that? We fail to believe that. Which then puts us back in that cycle of faith. Do I trust God at his word? Do I place my hope that in him, Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, that it was enough that Jesus paid the price for me, that I can never live up to that perfect standard, and that was enough? Paul says it in this way in Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then we come to the book of Romans in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What shall we say of these things? Well, what are these things that Paul just talked about? The fact that that God foreknew he predestined us to be conformed into his image of his son, that we would be destined to be called his children. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you feel today, as you're sitting there and as you're listening, do you feel that God is against you, out to get you, Or do you believe that God is for you and on your side? Do you believe that God honestly wants your best? Because if you don't, you will continue to wrestle for the rest of your life of trusting and following him, of being his disciples. Paul makes it very clear. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us? So who is condemning you today? Who is making you feel that you're not worthy enough? That you're not loved? It's not God. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You you have been posed a question. Paul poses a question for the early believers, but for us today. What is going to separate you from God's love? Who's going to do that? Many of you know this. He continues with another question. He doesn't answer it yet. He says, shall tribulation Or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Now I want you to pause for a minute and think about in your life what you are going through right now, what you've gone through this past week, and what you're looking to and that you're concerned about this upcoming week And when we start to worry and be overwhelmed and concerned, and then we start to fret, and then we get all alarmed, why is that? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we become almost at times, we have this pity party where we say, I'm not worthy. God, I shouldn't even be called your child. Maybe you don't even call me your son. Maybe I'm not not good enough. And we look at our circumstances, and they start to dictate what the truth is. And let me confirm, Paul is making it perfectly clear for us today, your circumstances, what you are going through, do not dictate how God views you. Rob was sharing this morning in our Logos class about those who are being persecuted And he made a reference, and I'm wrestling through this in my own mind. Are we more blessed to be where we are today, or would we be more blessed to be persecuted? The love of self, the love of comfort, the love of easy. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So finally, in these questions, he answers in verse 27. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because God loves you and me. You didn't do anything to deserve it, and I didn't do anything to deserve it. It's because God loved us that much. God loves you and me more than anything. And there is nothing that will ever separate us from that love. Now, there are people who say, oh, man, that means I can live life the way that I want. Or, pastor, you can't preach that message because that allows people to think in their mind that they have a license to now do anything that they want to do. That's not what I've said. Listen clearly. God desires for us to place our faith and trust in Him. He is worthy of our faith, not in what we can accomplish, but what He can do. We place our hope found in God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried, and he rose again three days later. He sent his spirit just as he promised. And the spirit lives inside of his children. And so we have the hope every day his mercy is new every morning because we experience that. It isn't just head knowledge. It's living life with God, abiding in him, realizing that, man, there is something greater and bigger than me. And God is worthy for me to place my faith and my hope in. And all of that is possible because God loves me. And because God has said there is nothing that will ever separate me from his love. And because of that, I can be his disciple and I can trust him and I can follow him. That's our motivation. My motivation is because he is worthy of my faith. He is worthy of my hope. He is worthy of my love because he has shown me all of the reasons why I should place them in him. And so I follow him in obedience, not because the law says, here's the list of rules that you need to do. I do that because I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed, it seems... So far out there, it seems so overwhelming that there is truly a God that loves me that much that it doesn't matter what I do and how much I fail and how much I mess up, that He's always going to be there. He's always going to love me. He's never going to forget about me or get up, give, give up on me. My God loves me that much. That's motivation. That's motivation to say, you know what? I, that's the kind of God that I want to follow. This is the kind of man I want to I live my life after. Jesus Christ to be his disciple. To learn more about who he was and how he lived life and how he desires for me to live life with him. The fact that as we continue to make mistakes that God isn't the one condemning us, but that there's Jesus Christ on the right hand of God interceding for you and me. It isn't like, here I am messing up. And God's like, Jesus is like, yeah, there, I oh, hope you didn't see that. He'll, he'll get it, God. Aaron will come around sooner or later. It's okay. No, he's like, hey, I love him. And you know what? I died for that. That's Jesus. He goes on our behalf Every day does that not motivate you to look and to say, you know what, I want to be his disciple? So to be wholeheartedly devoted to him and to say, I am his disciple and I want to follow him and trust him, but that along with that, we are not in this endeavor alone, but we want others to see how good God is too. And that's why in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says this, Go, therefore, into all the world, to all the nations. Now, the emphasis, again, in the Greek, if you haven't heard this, you probably have heard this before, the emphasis of the action is not on the verb go. The emphasis is about making So as we live life, it's about making disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, proclaiming who Jesus is. We sang this morning, holy, 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 We sing about a a God who is called the great I am. And yet God calls us an opportunity to draw nearer to him. And as we draw near to God, God tells us if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And we will hear him. He will talk to us. He will show us The great and marvelous plans he has for us. That isn't going to happen in a drive by relationship. We are not going to be able to make disciples in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus, to have the three things and the three words that we said this morning that the world may have a faith that they could trust in God, that they would have hope, that they would experience God's love. They aren't going to hear that or see that, but through us. God left you and me here, and through the Holy Spirit's work, he uses you and I in some imaginable way, even in our imperfections. God says, I want you to go and make disciples. So here is this great I am who is so high and majestic but that desires to have a close and personal relationship. It's it's so mind-boggling for me. It's so amazing that we could sing the bigness and the vastness of God. And when when we sing that holy, 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 I, I think back to what, what John is recorded in Revelation at the end, when the beasts and, and, and everyone falls before the lamb that looked as it, it was slain. There's Jesus who died on our behalf. And everybody bows. And says, holy, holy, holy. You are distinct. You are set apart. There is none like you. That's our God. And yet we live life at times calling ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ. But not truly living as disciples should. And I don't think it's because we don't want to. I think there might be streaks in us that we don't want to. I believe it's because we don't get to the root. And the root is these three words. Our faith, our hope, and our love. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this in the New Living Translation. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. No matter where you're at this morning, if you're out on your own path or you're trying and striving to follow God's path, let me tell you, that's the whole reason why Jesus bore our sin upon the cross is because God knew that we would be like sheep and we go our own way. Let me encourage you, don't stay there, though. As we hear the word of God, as God speaks to us, we need to respond. Responses, at times, confession. Lord, I I confess, I realize today that, that I have been living apart from what you are desiring. It's an admission of I am guilty, and this is what I've done. Repentance means that I turn from that, Not only do I call sin, sin, or rebellion, rebellion, or selfishness, selfishness, but I turn from that and I say, God, I need your help to now live the way you want me to, to do the things that you want me to, to be about what you want, not what I want. There are times of response where we rejoice and where we sing and we shout and we give God glory, and that's an area that I have shared with our leadership, I don't do real well in celebrating because I'm off to the next task. Let's go to the next thing. Okay, we won that. That's good. Now next thing. That person got saved. Great. Now there's 500 more. Let's go. And the God in the scriptures tells us that it's okay and it's a great thing to celebrate and to honor him and to praise him. And so as we respond to God... It means that we respond to him because we realize that he's speaking to us. And so if God is speaking to you this morning, let me encourage you to respond obediently to him. Don't just brush it off and just say, oh, that was great. That was nice. Lord, help me to, you know, let that sink in. What action is God asking you to take we see it all throughout scripture. When God gives his word, if God is talking to someone, as God is speaking to somebody, it's never just for their knowledge. I never see that. As God speaks to people, he wants response. He wants action. Sometimes those actions are small. Sometimes those actions are big. But he's demanding a response. Every time we come to the word, we should respond. How are you responding this morning? One of the ways that we can do that is look around. Look around you. If You see somebody that isn't here, how can you love them? And how can you care for them? How can you encourage them? How can you reach out to them? What about the people in your life that don't have the hope of Jesus. How can, how can you pursue God and ask him for help so that he may allow you to live a life worthy of them being able to see Jesus? There's a final passage I want to, us to close in here in First Timothy. First Timothy 6. Paul is finishing up this letter, writing to Timothy as he's leading the churches and he wants to encourage them. After just telling them all the things that they needed to be careful and be weary of, the false teachers and and finding contentment in the Lord. We're going to come back to that next week, as I said. But in verse 11, Paul says this, But as for you, O man of faith, flee these things, the evil things, the things which produce envy and dissension, slander, evil suspicions, fractions, Imagining that godliness is a means of wealthy gain. Flee those things. But pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. One of the reasons why when we ask you to join the church. We ask you to share your testimony because there's an accountability, but there's also an encouragement to say, hey, don't forget. Remember when you said that you've trusted Jesus? That wasn't just a fluke. That wasn't just something that you were thinking that you imagined. No, it was something that, that you did, and Paul's reminding them. Timothy, remember the good confession of many people that you shared. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who is his testimony. Before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. That's our God. To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach and to the appearing of Jesus Christ. What is that commandment? Well, we can debate. Great theologians have looked at this passage and tried to dissect it. Listen, there is nothing that we can do to keep from staining our life. We're not capable. We're sinners. But yet we can choose to live a life that is broken from the chains of sin. And as we live this life broken from the chains of sin, as we listen and walk with Jesus as his disciple, he will guide us and direct us And so that we have the power and the authority through christ to share what jesus has done there is this new covenant the new covenant is through what jesus did not by what we do the new covenant is given out of god's love for mankind to have an eternal relationship with him are you walking with him are you abiding with him Would you call yourself today a disciple of Jesus Christ? And if so, are you being obedient to him? Does your life reflect that you're a disciple of Jesus? Or does your life reflect that you're a disciple of yourself or someone else? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the way you care for our every need. You've given us not only your promises, but you've given us evidence of those promises that they are true. We don't see them fully and completely, but we don't need to because then it wouldn't require faith. Lord, as your disciples, we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. We have confessed that we are sinners and that we are in need of a Savior, and we believe that Jesus is that Savior. He is the promised Messiah, that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross He was buried and he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. And because of that, we place our faith and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we ask for your forgiveness. Because of that, we are followers of Jesus. Lord, help us to be more than just followers, help us to be disciples ones who are so close to you that we can hear your voice speak to us. We can sense when you want us to move and how you want us to act and what you want us to say. Lord, there are times and seasons in our lives where we are in drought, where we become weary, or times where we just fall away. Lord, we are prone to wander As we saw, we are like sheep, ready to run away from the best thing that can help us, the one thing that can guide us and direct us. And for your love, we are eternally grateful. And we plead for you, Lord, that you would be patient with us. We know that you are. Your word tells us that. But Lord, may your patience be seen in our lives. I pray that you would help us to walk with you the way that you intend for us as a people and as a church to walk with you. As your disciples, it would be so evident and clear to others that they would see that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, help us to be courageous. Help us to have the words. Help us to to be willing to go and to explore conversations and relationships so that others may become disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us when we get in our way. Forgive us for that, Lord, when we make ourselves the idol that we worship. And so, Lord, we thank you that we could be called your disciple, that we could be called your children. And this morning, I pray that we would commit to being your disciple and making disciples of Jesus. Help us to do that for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.